You're listening to highlights from the Creative Process interview with Karen McManus. This podcast is supported by the Jan Michalski Foundation. Yeah, I mean, they are young adults. They're written for young adults, but I think they're for everyone. And I certainly hear from a readership that's very diverse. And I think the common theme that people tend to come back to is that they do see themselves at least a little bit in some of the characters, maybe not who they are today, but who they were at one point. And the the characters are always going on a journey that parallels the mystery. So it's not just about solving the crime. It's about figuring out who you are and also figuring out your relationships with the other people who are caught up in this crime with you. It's always multi-POV and maybe some family members as well. So there's personal crises or problems to solve along with the plot problems. So it's interesting, this idea of coming home. And in one sense, you never really mature unless you're able to do that. Yeah, it's something I've returned to a few times in different books. In different, and Two Can Keep a Secret, one of my characters returns to her mother's hometown. So it's not her hometown, but there's a big sort of gaping emotional wound that her mom has that was created in that town. And this character believes that if she can solve this problem, she will solve her mother's problems. And of course, that's, it's not possible. And she learns that at the end. And nothing more to tell, you know, Bren is literally going home to her own hometown after her teacher's murder and after a very close friendship fell apart for reasons that she doesn't fully understand. So she's coming back feeling very conflicted about this place where she was born and grew up. Of course, we're all going to bring our own perspectives and opinions and feelings into any story. But often you don't have that personal tie, at least. And that's not the case with Bryn. She has a very strong personal connection. And that's one of the things that I've been interested in exploring for a while is the just the connection with that special teacher who recognizes something in you as it sort of showed in the excerpt there. That's something I had as a very young person also. And that stays with you. Yeah. I was a very young person. That was when I first got interested in writing. I was about eight years old when I had a teacher who asked us all to write a story. And I thought, what? Write a story? You can do that? That, that seemed very magical to me. And I loved it. And my teacher encouraged me to continue with that. And I did for quite a long time. And in high school, I did set that aside a little bit. I had been a very quiet, introverted kid for a lot of my life. And in high school, I came out of my shell a little. And I saw writing as one of those things I did as a kid. But it wasn't something that I was going to do anymore because I had other interests. With me, I tend to start with sort of this hooky idea like Breakfast Club with Murder, but I don't know what that means. You know, it's just something that sticks in my head and that interests me. And then I tend to think, well, who is there? Um, I think about characters and I think about people and I think about reasons why they might be involved in something and, you know, what are they scared of and what do they want and what are they hiding? And when I feel like I have a grasp on some interesting people who have a story to tell, then I'll go a little bit deeper into, you know, the nuts and bolts of, well, what actually happens to these people and how does it all interconnect? And I always think in ensembles, You know, I like to think about the team as almost its own character. It has its own arc and people need to have points of connection with each other. They need to have points of conflict with each other. And somehow all of that needs to tie together at the end. So it's 
it's starting broad and then eventually narrowing down to the nitty gritty of what actually happens in a story and how it affects the people involved. You know, I think it's interesting. I didn't even fully realize this pattern until a reader pointed it out to me. It was with, a, I think, my fourth book with the cousins. And there's a character named Archer who is an alcoholic. He's a very kind character. And he does become quite heroic at the end. But the reader said to me, oh, you, you have lots of characters who are, you know, sort of struggling with addiction. And it's not the main characters, but they have to like deal with that. And I thought, you know, that is, I've had so many people I love and care about who have had their struggles. And I do think there's probably a little bit of processing that's gone on for me in writing these characters. A character like Nate in the first book, who's sort of like this angry child almost because he feels like he has no control over his own situation. And then you have a character like Aubrey and the cousins who has a great deal of empathy, even though she may be frustrated by her uncle, because she really does understand that this is not a choice that he's making, you know, and he's doing the best that he can. And so there's all these different layers of coming to accept and love the people in your life who are having challenging times without feeling as though you have to fix it or feeling anger that they can't fix it at that moment in time. Like I say, I never base characters on people, but I did have a good friend in high school who reminded me of Cooper a little bit. And so that was something that was in my mind as I was creating that character. And just, yeah, I think I try to make my books reflect the world that we live in. And that world changes all the time. So what may be reflective in 2017 is not necessarily going to be reflective today. But I think that's the beauty of contemporary books is that there's always new ones coming in that are a time capsule for the moment in which they were conceived and published. Yeah, I think that's great. And like, especially in the past couple of years, when I think there's been more talk about like representation in books, showing that representation in your books is really great. And the young adult space, I think as a whole is phenomenal that very dynamic and very diverse. You know, I have critique partners who it's mostly writers that I was querying with. You know, I think that's kind of where you make some of your strongest initial relationships when you're all trying to figure out the industry and to grow as writers. And I still exchange work with some of the people I met back in 2015. It's just helpful to have some eyes on your story in those early stages and especially from people who you trust and who you know will be honest with you and but you know also will cheerlead you because you need that in those early stages. You need people to be excited along with giving you constructive comments. Well, I had a wonderful teacher, as I mentioned, in second grade who kind of inspired me to start writing and really stuck with me through elementary school and beyond as I made attempts to uh, to find my voice. But I think part of the reason it never really went anywhere for me as a young person was because I was too afraid to share that really with anyone except for that one teacher. I never showed friends. I didn't even really show family. I just always felt that it wasn't quite good enough. And so the thing I always tell writers now they ask for, you know, what's one tip? It's let someone else tell you no, because I just told myself no for pretty much my entire, you know, young adulthood. And once I let other people tell me no, they did a lot, you know, but that is how I got better. 
We hope you've enjoyed listening to these highlights. To listen to the latest episodes or learn more about participating in exhibitions or interviews, click on subscribe. Thank you for listening.